Yes, and D. What's going on, y'all? It's your main man, Big Wayne, with another episode of Calling How I See It. Come on in. The water's just fine. All right. I got another guest, y'all. I got a, a special guest from y'all been hearing me talk about it, the talk show. So for a little disclosure real quick, we having an award show in the in the talk show right now. We're supposed to be giving out MVPs. I, I'm waiting on it because I heard I'm nominated, but we're going to see when it's going to happen. Probably not going to be for another couple of days. But anyway, so my main man, Jonathan Bickart, in the talk show, won the best takes, like, over, like overall takes, you know, whether it be – anything so overall takes he's got it so out of all the people and it's a couple of us he got the baddest takes in the talk show y'all the baddest ones so what's up there brother you doing all right i'm doing great man i want to say appreciate you for having me on absolutely 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 yeah man so i, I was talked i touched on a little bit of my my friday show about super teams so and i don't think super team some people hate them some people love them just depends on who you are I don't think they're all that bad, but I think what Milwaukee did, actually a couple teams proved between Philly, the Hawks, and the Suns, and obviously the Bucks. It to me it showed you really don't have to have a super team to win. It's not the end all, the be all, to be honest. So what do you think about that? Um, I'm actually all for having super teams because that's just today's era of a really good team. more of these teams by doing it through player movement and the NBA is always in a better spot when they got a really good team so they have a villain or they have a superhero to look towards always sell more tickets always make the league so I'm always for a super team see and I'm with you I'm with super teams too I don't think it make it makes them a favorite but I don't think it makes them a guarantee here's what I think the super team does most I think well actually what I think it does best I think it does best for drawing people to the NBA overall. Now, people that love basketball, that, people that love it, you know, they're going to watch it regardless. But like just the people that just kind of watch Stars or something, they may not watch a, a random night with the Memphis Grizzlies versus the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it draws those teams that have the big super teams, all the big names, it draws more people. It draws storylines. It draws attention. And it's going to obviously draw ticket sales to the, you know, whoever's the stadium they're in. So I think it's good from a marketing standpoint Completely. now, but with some of these super teams, especially the ones that are like, you know, player, player, uh, player orchestrated, I don't think they last long. And I don't think it's really conducive to like a long-term winning strategy because usually you got to gut your whole team. And if you got, cause the super team is about what three people. So it's going to take big money. And if you got all the big money in the three people, it's going to be hard to put around, your your other pieces you see what i'm saying no nah, i completely agree like the current brooklyn nets for example like people forget brooklyn attempted a super team when they got kg and paul pierce even though those yep. were past their prime right makeshift a super team and they lost so many assets that a couple years ago when d'angelo russell had his little breakout year they were they were still losing draft picks then to Boston. Right. And they gave Boston, I feel like Boston, like a decade worth of picks. I feel like they was getting first round picks like for 10 years, what it yeah. felt like. It really did feel like that. And they and they just invested so much into that win now strategy. That kind of becomes the thing where it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge gamble now where if you win a championship, it's worth it. You win multiple, even better. But 
if you miss, your team's probably going to be terrible for a half decade, if not a full decade. Right. So if you're a GM, if if you're a GM, would you would you want a super team? Because I don't know how long you last with the super team. I feel like your super team window, you got about four years to do what you need to do. So would you rather take like a Brooklyn route or let's just say Milwaukee route since they won? Which which route would you? Because I feel like Milwaukee, I'm not saying it's going to be a dynasty or anything, but it feels like they have, they're more sustainable as a franchise than Brooklyn. It just depends on the market, honestly. Like if you're in a major market that can attract free agents, I say you swing for super teams or die because players will always look at those cities, L.A., Miami, like those warm weather cities, those cities where the franchise is known to handle star players well, you got to swing for the fences. And I think with those smaller market teams, those Milwaukee's, those Sacramento's, those Phoenixes, you got to you got to get you, you got to draft your star, build them up right, and then swing for another star guy to get there to get you over that hump. And Milwaukee did that this year with Drew. We seen what Chris Paul did with Phoenix and really lifting a, a team with a lot of nice younger pieces. Right, right, right. But they only added two real vets to have any real deep NBA experience, deep playoff experience. And Chris Paul and Croft, uh, Jay Crowder, and look what they did. They surprised a lot of people because all of their young guys showed improvement. They showed growth. And if Chris Paul stays, I think they got a bright future. I, I don't know if Chris Paul stays, but I'll I'll get off into that in a minute. So, a, a talk, and I'm really curious about what you think. You know, everybody talk about they, you know, the best player of all time, who your top five player, top ten, you know, how people do. So, I'm curious, do you have a top five team list, like an all-time team list? Uh, I, I have lists for everything. You just tell me what you need a list for, and I got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me your top five teams list all time. Like top five franchises? Um, no, like teams, like a like for the '96 Bulls or the yeah, okay. 2016 Warriors, something like that. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, you, <laughs> you are the goat. <laughs> so, my Chicago bias is shining hard with this one. I still have the '96 Bulls as the greatest team of all time. Okay. Um. That that would be my number one actually, and I'm a Knicks fan, so you, you're right. I got you. Um, um, that's that's just my that's a little hometown bias. Seventy two and ten, and they got the job done, which mattered most. You got the can't argue. He, you got two All NBA players, three All Defensive First Team members. Um, you got the Six Man of the Year. You got the Coach of the Year. You got Sniper Role Players that hit big shots. You got the league's leading score. I mean, you, you got you got the league's leading rebounder. You you got an amazing formula at hand. And they they were healthy. And those were guys that you've never had to question if they brought it every single time they stepped on a court. Everyone knew they rolled, except that they rolled and they were flourishing in their jobs. I just think that team can really morph against any team in any era. Will they struggle with a dominant center? Yeah. But Dennis Robin to make life a little bit hard. And any team that usually got a dominant center ain't going to have the perimeter play that's going to outplay Mike and Pip. That's just the truth. I think that team is, is, is built to win. 
granted, one of the slower eras, so their scoring doesn't look magnificent. Right. They have upper echelon, if not flat, elite level athleticism. They can play the small ball of today's game and still flourish because, I mean, Robin can guard one through five in his prime. Pippen can guard one through four. Mike can guard one through three. We still have Ron Harper, who back in his heyday, you had Tony Kukoc off the bench, turned it into that current modern-day stretch four. He fits perfectly, even better than he did in the 90s with a current situation like today's game. So I think they're just a team that fits in, like, almost any air. Uh, so number two, I go back and forth, but I'm going to be a little reasonable today. Give me the 20, what, 17, 2018 Golden State Warriors. With, yep. with a big three add on KD, there's just too much firepower, yeah. too much star power, too many players that play their role, too many people committed into a certain type of basketball. Do I think they got their uh, – they do have an Achilles heel, a dominant big man like a Shaq, like yeah. a Chamberlain, like a Kareem, a Hakeem, could, could make them change their whole game style? Yes. But I think on that same token, none of those teams got a point guard that's going to touch Steph Curry. And right. That, Kevin Durant just won the game's best score, so he can just, I mean, close out anybody anytime they really need a bucket. So, yeah, that's that's just a beautifully built team. Add on KD because the salary cap craziness, and you just got uh, you got something special. Yeah, something something insane. Uh, number three, eighty-seven Lakers. Mm. Uh, I, I'm a Lakers fan. Magic Johnson is my favorite player of all time. That's his golden year, and I just think that team is a team where in the NBA Finals, someone pulled the numbers today. I think they had six guys in double figures in the NBA Finals. In the fi- Three of those guys scored 20-plus points a night. That's insane. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Who, who, like, that amount of scoring is unbelievable. And, th- and this is an era where they really didn't have a whole lot of shooters. Give Magic some shooters. Give Magic a Clay Thompson and see what he would have done. Like, uh, I could go all day about them. Like, that, that's, a, that's a deep team. Everyone play their roles. And, I mean, that was Magic at his absolute peak. Good luck beating those guys. Um, number four, I go... 86 Celtics. Oh, we're, we're switched. We're, we're switched. I got 86 Celtics three, and I got 87 Lakers four. That's crazy. Oh, uh, well, we're hey, we going to argue about that one later. Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, 86 Celtics, just amazingly deep team. Uh, they got Hall of Fame big coming off the benches. They third big. We got the Boston big three. You got another Hall of Famer in finals MVP prior to joining that team and Dennis Johnson. You got a sniper in Danny Ainge. That that team's loaded. That team's loaded. I wish the 86 Celtics and the 87 Lakers would have played together. Bill Walton gave you a little something too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That that Hall of Fame big off the bench, that six man of the year stuff. Yep. And and we just loaded. Once they move Kevin McHale to the starting lineup, it's like, oh my God, he's an extremely dangerous scorer. He he that's not a guy that he's too good to be on the bench. One, two, six men of the year, then you got to move him to the starting lineup. He was just too good. And then the fifth team, the top all time, give me the 01 Lakers. 
You, mm. you, you, you got two massive superstars, and you got role players for days that fit the system, that buy in, and then you got Phil Jackson keeping two monstrosities from killing each other just long enough so they can kill the opponent. Yep. Yeah, that that that's a good one. That's a good one. That 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 is a good one. That that's I'll be honest, that wasn't who I had, but uh that that is a good one. That that is a good one. Like that that's just a tough matchup. Like a super elite on a perimeter and a super elite in the post where you really need to double team both of them. And they got nothing but shooters. They're going to close the game with Derek Fisher, Rick Fox, and Robert Horry on the court. Okay. Two, two of those guys are notorious for hitting important game game winners. Leave them open. Because I know my star is going to bring it. I know Shaq going to dominate. I know Kobe going to close. And I know my role player is going to shoot that three ball and play some defense. No, you. I actually had the 83. Uh... Sixers? I actually had the eighty three sixers. I, I did four four four, but I had the oh one. But I, I can't I can't argue with that. But I, I just I feel like Moses and Doctor J and the boys would have gave him a hard time. So let me ask you this: So um, out of all those teams you name, would, would you consider would you consider the Bulls a super team? Uh, the ninety six Bulls? No, they're not a super team. I agree. Um, what about well the Warriors? Yeah, they yeah, had super team. Yeah, 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 super team. The Lakers and Celtics, no, but I understand why people would call them super teams, but I don't consider them super teams. And then the 01 Lakers, no. I I agree with you, actually. I agree with you. So that's that's what I was because I so I feel like the organizations is you're better off when the organization tries to do it. And I think you're better off when you because like I said, especially what oh one or no wait. I'm thinking about two thousand when they had Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice had had left. So that was 2000, if I'm doing my math right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, I mean, I just feel like when you got pieces around it, like I think you're better with a dynamic duo and, you know, a bunch of solid guys that can step up than you are like big three and just kind of hope for the best whatever you got. That's just because salary cap leaves you completely dried out. That third star eats up all your role player availability. So, really, the dynamic duo to versus three stars. I think that third star just kills the salary cap altogether. Uh, usually that third star just eats up that salary cap, leaving you with maybe the mid-level exception, which what nowadays is worth $9 million. But that's the full mid-level. Um, other than that, they're going to be getting minimums, $2, 3000000 million per year. And it's going to be hard to get consistent quality role. It just really comes down about that dynamic duo with uh, not another star, but either someone in a, a beneficial contractual situation. Like, lucky for Milwaukee this year, Giannis signed the extension that kicks in next year. So their huge hit to the salary cap they're going to fill this upcoming season. But they already have Drew locked in. They already got Middleton locked in. They already got a lot of their key guys locked in. So they'll just be over the salary cap and be fine moving forward. But it will be harder for a team like the Lakers, who have a dynamic duo, and uh, they're already strapped for cash. If Montrez Harrell opts in, 
the only real realistic move we have is our mid-level exception at about five million dollars everything else is going to be minimums vet minimums two three million dollar deal yeah so uh you speaking of Giannis though is Giannis a top five power forward right now right now right now like as of today is he a top five power forward are you mean like all time ranking or just currently? Yeah, yeah, all time, yeah, all time. Not like yeah, he's number one right now, but yeah, all time. Um, no, it, no, so no, not, so. Give me your top five power forwards. Um, my top five in order. All right, give me, give me Duncan one. I think that's the easy one. Yep. Number two gets a little tough. Uh. Does it though? I do because I still give it to Carl Malone. Oh, and and I agree with you. I'm I'm right there with you. I still give two to Carl. I give three to Dirk, four to and five to Barkley. And I give well. Who was four again? Uh, four is KG Kevin Garnett, and three was who Dirk. Okay. And I mean Duncan, self-explanatory. Carl Malone for just being. Elite level, consistent when it came to winning night in, night out, being available, being an elite scorer, being an uh, upper echelon rebounder, uh, being efficient. For the most part, he turned the ball over a lot. Uh, but scoring the ball, he was efficient, and he he was he was their leader. He was their alpha. He was the guy getting it done for them. Um, yeah, he, he got a couple of MVPs. He led his team a couple of times to the finals. Um, he played both ways. I mean, he wasn't this megastar on defense like Kevin Garnett, but I mean, outside of Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett of the top five I listed, he's the third best defender. So I'll give him props because he's not a negative there, like a Dirk Nowitzki or like a Charles Barkley because he didn't give the effort. Uh, Dirk got it done as the number one, so I gave him the edge over. KG, and the one time they matched up in the playoffs, Dirk Nowitzki broke my man's off something insane that year. And, yeah, KG kind of got it as the number two guy, so I gave Dirk a little more credit when he won his. Um, Dirk game aged a little better than KG's. After KG blew his knee in Boston, he nosedive. Um, and then Charles Barkley, I don't think he had a consistent enough impact on winning he came onto a good team and then once they started getting old he was terrible in philly and started becoming almost cancerous till he left was great in phoenix but so you would have so you got you still got charles over Giannis. for now Giannis has some accolades where he's going to be higher. I usually don't even like ranking players until they get 10 years in the league. He right. He just finished his eighth. So like what I'll probably put him at six. I could make the case for Bob Pettit, but that's a real old school player that people go back and forth on. But at worst, I got him at seven right now where he stands. Realistically, if he give me five more elite years and never win another MVP. Never go to the finals, but have a few deep playoff runs. 
and consistently wins and be an all-NBA, all-defense performer for the next half decade, I believe that's enough to push him into the argument for number two right there. And any more major accomplishments will probably tip him over the edge at definitely two for me. And and I agree with you. I feel like I feel like there's a lot of recency bias with with uh with Giannis because out of these past three years, you know, everybody's oh, he's three years, two MVPs, you know, defensive player of the year, finals MVP, that's cool. And people saying that this has been like no guy has had like a, a three years like this. And I'm like, well, shoot, well, wait a minute. Tim Duncan had a, a year, he's had a three stretch like that. He won <laughs> in what, oh three and oh five? Yes. And then he got it. Didn't he get an MVP one of them years? Yeah. So he had a. It, yeah. No, that was 2002. No, he won back to back years, though. So 02 and 03, he got MVPs. That's right. So, yeah. So that'd be. And then that's actually. That would actually be four years. So he's had a longer stretch and he got two rings. And I don't think. I don't. I mean, Giannis is great and the Bucks are cool, but I don't think they're getting ready to win another championship in two years. No. Nah. I, I don't. And I mean, hey, you never know. Hey. But. And as amazing as as amazing as Giannis' finals run was, Tim Duncan's two thousand and three finals run is not mentioned enough on how legendary it was. I I agree I agree. So that's why uh, people just and I get the Spurs are well, at least then they were like a hard watch. Or I guess they still are kind of, <laughs> but uh, they're like a hard watch. So people don't realize how good Tim Duncan was. So like this. <laughs> Run, it's it's been now everybody that you mentioned didn't don't have a run like that. And Tim Duncan, nobody's putting Giannis and Tim Duncan in the same set. Well, at least I hope not. But uh yeah, man, I just I gotta wait and see because everybody talking about three years. Well, okay, well, three years, that's I mean, we got a whole I'm supposed to look at Giannis's three years versus everybody else's 10, 15 or 12, 13. You see what I mean? Right. And I, I can't do that. So now, but I just think it's funny how quick everybody forgot about old Anthony Davis. I remember once upon a time people were saying he was going to be the future. And now <laughs> you don't you don't really hear about him anymore. He he still is, but he's gonna have a hard time getting over the humps. Giannis will because he's playing with LeBron. If he's playing with LeBron. The only major awards I can see him winning playing with LeBron is an all-star MVP and a defensive player of the year. I don't, like, he'll win championships. They could always win championships. But I don't see him getting the finals MVP playing next to LeBron unless LeBron takes a big step back. But will they be contending if LeBron takes a big step back? So, you know, it's a couple different ways to look at that. You know, it's funny you mentioned the Lakers because uh, outside of the Miami Heat, I hit the Lakers in every free agency room. I'm talking about <laughs> I can't stand the Heat for that reason because it seems like I, you can't name a free agent that you don't – wherever a free agency name is, the Heat are not far behind. Hey, so, man, look, those, those are the two most enjoyable cities to play in. That is why everybody is linked to them because who wouldn't want to go to L.A.? Who wouldn't want to go to Miami? Well, um, it's funny you mentioned L.A. because I, I don't uh, – I'll be honest. I don't know what they're going to get or what they can do because they got a bunch of trade assets that nobody wants. They got, you know, they got their cap strap like you mentioned earlier. And I'll be honest with you. I think, I think the Lakers can be had. Like, I'd rather take my chances – you know, ponying up with somebody else and beating L.A. and joining them. 
I, I would rather do that. And I don't want to trade for him because, say, if I got a star or somebody like that, well, I'm supposed to get Kuzma for why? Yeah. I'd rather have some Wendy's coupons or, you know, a, 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 a pass to the car wash or something before I get Kuzma. Nah. And and Dennis Schroeder, I, I saw him put up a goose egg for, for the Lakers. So I, I don't know what they can – I don't really know what the Lakers can really do because they're cap-strapped and, you know, like I said, the pieces ain't really worth nothing. But some kind of way, they getting garnered for, for – Westbrook trades and Chris Paul trades and Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRose. So what do you think is getting ready to happen with the Lakers, Mr. Lakers? The floor is yours. Honestly, I am so clueless with what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Because none of it actually makes sense. This is all people wishing on a star for a lot of things. So like, right. Like the Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRose, we supposed to get both of them. Kyle. Yeah. He wanted 30 mil a year. Last time Kyle Lowry spoke on how much money he wanted, he wanted like north of 20 mil a year. We don't have 20 million to give him. And let's say we figured out a way to get him 20 mil a year. How do we do- afford DeMar DeRozan? You expect him to, he's like, oh yeah, since it's my boy here getting 25 mil, get sign me up for five. No. H- how do we afford both without giving up AD? Or LeBron, you can't because like the rest of our role players, like that's money invested, but none of them have value right now, and none of them have value because they they really weren't in position to thrive that much. We lost Jason Kidd on the staff. Dennis Schroeder turned down big money, and then had the worst timing to catch COVID because he caught it right at the end of the season. And then came back, walked right into the playoffs and wasn't ready and embarrassed himself, messed up his bag. KCP's always been inconsistent, so it's love or hate with him. Um, Kuzma, yeah, he ruined his own thing. I don't even have nothing to say on him. He He's not a bad player, but he's not, he's not the type of player to play next to LeBron. Oh, you heard what Kuzma said, didn't you? Him and Jason Tatum, they neck and neck. They right there together. You know what? He's delusional. I can't. <laughs> you ain't even got to edit it out. Just just take away what I said. It don't even hold value anymore. Um, Marcus O, Montrez Harrell, value is low, so he might opt in. And if he opts in, that's even less money we have. Hopefully he opts out, and that's another almost $10 million off the book. <laughs> And we just offered the uh, qualifying tender to uh, THT. So now he's a restricted free agent. So you know someone's going to offer him a, the type of poison pill deal that's going to make us not want to accept it and because we really want to keep him because he's a bright spot. We're probably going to keep it and be in an even worse tax position. So, <laughs> and you echo all my sentiments exactly. So, uh and I forgot to mention some kind of way y'all supposed to be getting Dame Lillard too. I forgot to mention that. I, I don't think I'm of the mindset. I don't think Dame's going anywhere. I think he's gonna I be in Portland at least one more year, and then after next year, yeah. I think he might go and get up out of there. I think but, he, uh, I don't see one chance to get it right. Yeah, that's that's probably. And I mean, hey, Lord to the soul, you know how some of them get down. And I mean, hey, I'm not mad at him. And I'm gonna still watch, you know, some Portland games at least because I like Dame a lot, Kronos, baby. But uh, yeah, I'm with you with with LA, man. I just don't know 
where they can go. I feel like when they did the whole AD trade to get for them, I'm like, okay, this is this is what we got for better or for worse. Because it's not we can't just go adding on other toys later. Because you know you can't get rid of LeBron and you got AD. So obviously you're not getting rid of him either. This is why I don't really love trading for superstars because the price tag is so much. I think you're better off signing superstars and you are trading for them. And historically speaking, you know, outside of actually outside of the Lakers and uh, Boston, the 08 Celtics, you really don't win when you trade for a superstar. I take that back. The 83 Sixers, they won because they traded for Moses Malone. So outside of those three, you really don't win when you trade for a superstar. When, you know, when Houston traded for James Harden, that didn't work. When the Knicks traded for Carmelo, that didn't work. When, uh, the Knicks tra- traded for Stephon Marbury. That didn't work. I'm going to stop putting the Knicks in it because uh, <laughs> that ain't doing me no good. But uh, who else? I don't think the Brooklyn thing's going to work, trading for James Harden. It didn't work this year, but they're kind of fragile anyway. Yeah. So it just it, – it doesn't work when you trade for a superstar. Matter of fact, the Rockets, they traded for Tracy McGrady when they got him out of Orlando. That didn't work. So I just – when you trade for a superstar, it, it just usually doesn't work. But like, if you sign one, you usually do pretty good. Like the Lakers, they signed Shaq. You see what I mean? And it worked out. The, uh, I agree. I can't. You know, so I think you're better off that way. And you, you're better for it. I agree with that. But that leaves this idea of the player movement is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. But what if they're doing it wrong? They are. They're absolutely doing it wrong. Like they keep. Like all of them say it's to win, but all of them take near max money. Right. Like real life, just take 75% of what you should have and see how far that gets you. Because all these teams don't have the rest of a lineup worth the damn. And then be like, they can't survive anything. You, you got to have some form of depth. If if you don't, you have no wiggle or if things don't go your way. Like Correct. James Harden on one leg. KD was out there healthy. Kyrie went down. It was like him and James Harden flip-flop spots of available. And they, they couldn't survive that. They there wasn't enough firepower left on the team. And then Woody didn't want to come back. Oh, that's a guy that is actually really interested in free agency too. Uh, I know who the guy I'm watching. I'm watching Big Baller Brand. That's who I got my eye on. Lonzo Ball. Lonzo is the prize for this free agency offseason. That whoever getting ready to get him, that Lonzo Ball is the golden ticket to the chocolate factory. Not Lonzo Ball is gonna be a cornerstone for somebody. I got a different point guard in my eyes. Who? So when I say this is gonna catch you off guard. Go after who is a free agent this upcoming year? Mike Conley. Mike Mike Conley. Yes. I don't think Utah. I don't think Utah is gonna let him walk though. That team is not having success. That team is having a weird dynamic between him and Donovan. They need a different type of point guard next to Donovan. They need more of the point guard that can run a team secondarily, but also just be that off guard 
to let Donovan have the ball in his hand, which is when he thrives the absolute most. But he's going to have to be able to also take the ball out of it and, and run the show because Donovan becomes a black hole sometimes. That's the type of guy they need. A guy like Lonzo who can do some of both is the type of guy that they need, honestly. But I don't see Lonzo going to Utah. And Utah is going to have to change something off – Look! Look how far they made it in the playoffs, and look how look what they did in the regular season. They're gonna have to change something if they want to even stay on that same level. And the one guy that becomes available for them is Mike Conley. So you think they need to let Mike Conley go? I think they need to. They need to do something different. If letting Mike Conley walk is the thing that they need to do, the real question becomes who do they get to fill that responsibility and who can fill it well? I mean, I I think they're just one of those teams that just kind of stuck with. I think they're just kind of stuck where they are. Because nobody comes to Utah, so you don't get free free, free agents. But you got uh but you got Donovan and you got Rudy, however you feel about him. So you got that. So you got that going for you. And I like Joe Ingles a lot. Joe Ingles is a nice player. Yeah. So they but I mean they're just in the West. Oh because you wanna you wanna know who's available? Who? That we're not talking about that I think is an interesting fit for them? Reggie Jackson. Reggie is available, isn't he? Yes. Yep. Um and you know what he because how he played this offseason in the playoffs, he he played himself into a, a pretty little contract. And what Mike Conley's what thirty million off the books. Granted, Donovan kicks in, but they should have at least enough to offer him some money because I don't think no one's gonna give him twenty mil a year. But I think someone might give him ten, twelve. You know what the Lakers should do? Actually, what here's their best bet. And I, I I said something earlier, actually last show about the Lakers should go after Westbrook or Chris Paul. Well, I think Westbrook would be the better answer. But now that I'm sitting there talking to you about it, they Chris Paul is a more realistic option because he can opt out. And let's say he wants to leave. Let's say he wants to go to L.A. and play the do the banana boat thing. Well, look, I would Chris Paul can go to the free to the the Suns front office and be like. Hey man, I'm finna opt out so y'all can trade for me, or I'm just finna go and get up out of here. Now all of a sudden, Chris Paul has all the leverage. So if we're just gonna lose for nothing, let's try to trade him. That way, now I think you can get rid of your Dennis Schroders, you know, sign and trade deal, or your Kuzmas, or your KCPs now, because the Suns are desperate to get something for nothing. And how you make that contract? Just just pray Chris Paul takes a little. Pay contract, and you know LeBron James a billionaire now. So who say he might restructure? Well, I re- LeBron don't strike me as a restructured type of guy, nah. but he might for his boy. I don't know. You know, I ain't never had a billion dollars, but I mean, if it was me, I I mean, I would move some stuff around. That's me. But um, so you get Chris Paul, and then you finally pull the trigger on Melo. Now I don't. I'm of the mindset. I don't. I don't know if LeBron loves the fact of playing with Melo. Because that whole time when people was trying to cancel Melo and get him up out the league and put him in the big three, I feel like LeBron could have got him in, exactly. but he didn't. So that tells me something. That that means something to me. Because it's not like he was going to have to pay him $50 million. 
you could have probably got him for a league minimum. I mean, Portland did. So you could probably, Portland could have priced him. Right. So you can afford that. You know what I mean? So you get Chris Paul and Melo finally do it. Although I just don't know if LeBron loves the fact of playing with Melo for whatever reason. I, I just don't know. And maybe something's changed. So I think you do that Chris Paul move and then you get Carmelo. And I think that is your best bet. That I think that's the best way the Lakers can improve. Otherwise, I don't see how they do it for all the reasons we've been talking about. Yeah, I mean, Schroeder, KCP, and Kuzma, um, what, a draft pick? I don't know. Unless Chris, but all this goes out the window unless Chris Paul just really wants that, you know, them big head hunters. Now, if he wants that, then y'all, y'all, y'all screwed. Yeah. I mean, so. if, he, if he turned down $40 million for one season, he knows for a fact someone's going to offer him at least three, four hundred. I, I just don't see him turning it down unless it's an under the table handshake deal already in place. So that, but the Lakers, I think that's they got to try it out now. If it'll work, you know, who knows? But I think that's the best way. And if Chris Paul is that adamant about the money, then I think AD and LeBron, if they really want to win, like they swear they all about winning, then they, they should restructure their deals and, like, you know what, let's take a little less and let's try to get, let's try to bring Chris Paul up in there. But I, I still don't, I think that's their best way to do it, but I still don't like. I don't think that guarantees them a championship, though, because Chris Paul doesn't bring nothing to the Lakers that they don't already have. They got ball movement with LeBron. They got leadership with LeBron. They got mid-range with LeBron and Anthony Davis. So I, I don't – I mean, then LeBron needs something to take, take pressure off of him. AD can do that. And Chris Paul, you know, he's – He's not like really a, a combo guard type of guy. He's like a pure old school type point guard, like a Rondo type, you know, John Stockton, you know, folks like that. And they're going to need some buckets sometimes. And that's why I like Westbrook because Westbrook can legit, you know, take over a game sometimes in a lot of different ways, whether it's been rebounding, occasional defense, and, you know, he can make the right play. I mean, led the league in assists. I think he did it last year, actually. And he's led the league in scoring twice. So we're talking about somebody that can score, rebound, give you effort. And Chris Paul can't affect as many categories as Westbrook can. That's why I would like Westbrook over Chris Paul. But I don't think Chris Paul, Westbrook is a realistic option for him, to be honest. I, I just don't. I would love it if it was, but I just don't think it is. So I think you're stuck with Chris Paul. And I just think you got to ride the ship. You just got to ride it down because they wanted Anthony Davis so bad. They had to have him. And now this is this is what they got. See, actually, yeah, I felt completely different about Chris Paul. Um, because LeBron is a playmaker. The, while he moves the ball great, the team is kind of like motionless, waiting for him either attack to get someone the ball or have the defense shift because they got their eyes on him. While Chris Paul initiates more action to allow role players to roam and cut and float on the perimeter and kind of like a different aspect of when he play makes for his teammates, it looks a lot different than when LeBron does it. So I think that's like really positive because one of my issues with the Lakers is a lot of times everyone else besides LeBron and AD is just kind of always standing there. And I feel for shooters, just standing there gets them cold and out of rhythm. So Chris Paul, I think, does a good job of like keep 
bodies moving, keep players a little more lively. Um, And then it will actually allow LeBron to get genuine rest um, because Chris Paul can run a team. And AD still needs another person to create for him at times uh, because he's not a because he is a big man. And so a guy like Chris Paul, I think he'll just thrive in that system next to them because, I mean, they can run a two-man game. And what better person is there to pass you a ball out of a pick and roll than Chris Paul, you know? So you got that there. He's still a very good defender. He's a good shooter. He's consistent. I mean, he he gonna fill a lot of holes that are like problems. And then, like I said, LeBron at times can take more of a scoring mentality because he ain't got to worry about playmaking for everybody all the time. So, he's- but here's the thing about LeBron though, and that would be cool. What you're saying about Chris Paul, except Le- and you know this, LeBron is terrible off the ball terrible as great as he is and i got him third all time behind um jordan and kareem but he is terrible off the ball if like if he don't have the ball if he's not initiating offense he'll pass it and he'll just kind of sit there and just kind of well they be in what mid-range usually he's trying to get somewhere but you he just sit there at the top of the key and just kind of disappear and i say i seen lonzo have some bad spots about that sometimes too every now and then not as bad as lebron but LeBron, it seems like he'll just check out. And if somebody passes the ball again, then he's raw, real right back into it. I think he's so used to having the ball all the time and having to carry the load and being that guy, being the king, if you will. It's just when he don't have the ball or if he's not really in the play, it's like he don't know what to do. Like he's just in there watching it. It's and not, I don't know if Chris Paul can remedy that. It's not a don't know what to do. It's like a... LeBron is a force where it don't matter if he got the ball, if he don't got the ball. It always draws all the attention all the time. And I feel like it's one of them, like, most of the time, he he floats in the areas to draw eyes. And really, he mainly just be a decoy. Because when he cuts hard to the basket, I mean, off the ball, how how many guys in the league going to beat him to the spot. If you're fast enough to get there, you're probably not strong enough to stop him. And if you're big enough to stop him, if you meet you there, he can run right by you still for the most part. So it's, 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 it's a very short list of guys that I feel like if he actually gave consistent effort moving off ball or just making a few timely cuts, a backdoor, but like go all the way, not halfway, I think I think he'll be fine playing off ball because he doesn't have to do a lot because all he needs is one or two hard cuts. He get those baskets. Now all eyes is gonna be on him. So next time he cut through, it's just a flash and boom. Now that weak side corner is open because he's gonna drop down to to help the helper that's rotating over to LeBron because they see him coming. I, I I see what you're saying and that can work. That that can work. I just don't know if it will. I I think that's ideally, ideally because number hey. one, you you you're not gonna forget LeBron's there. I mean, even if he has the ball, don't have the ball, engaged or not, you just not gonna just leave LeBron 
off. I, I don't think unless you just go to sleep on the play, I don't think you're just walking away from LeBron. And to me, LeBron's one of those guys. If I'm guarding LeBron, I'm not because you know sometimes you guard people and you're not really looking at them. They just kind of you're looking at them with peripheral yeah. and you're looking at the ball, see where it's going. LeBron's one of those guys where you're looking at him, and then the ball's in your peripheral because you know it's LeBron. So it, I think it's gonna be hard for that. To, it's gonna be hard for it's gonna be hard for people to move around from that. And I think that's going to be hard for – That's I lost my train of thought. I lost my train of thought looking at this mock draft. But I, I, that's going to be – that's going to be tough for, for LeBron to operate with. Because I don't think he has – I don't think he has the wiggle room to move like that anymore either. I don't think he has that same – he's going to have speed and stuff like that, but I don't think he's going to look like a Steph or a – a Paul George or somebody that can move off the ball, or even a Zion, it was great off the ball. That's that's a special thing about Zion, although he got the ball a lot too these days. Yeah. But you know he's good off the ball too. They always the NBA is at this weird point where if you're the best player, they just want your the ball in your hand as much as possible because if the best player has the ball, that equals more success, and it. Equals more regular season success. That's about it. Um, right. And it's that weird point where they just want everybody to be pseudo point guards, primary ball handlers, essentially. And uh, sometimes you got let it's almost great off ball. Run your offense where they can still be great off. Right. Exactly. I totally agree. Uh, and a lot of those teams we was talking about earlier, you know, those top five teams we was talking about. A lot of those star players were great off the ball. Jordan, we we know he was Jordan was spectacular off the ball. But he <laughs> great. He was just you know spectacular I mean? with the ball. So <sighs> right. Maybe that maybe well, that's goat man, but you know, Steph great off the ball. KD great off the ball. You know, Clay great off the ball. You know, Larry good with and without the ball. Uh I mean the the Lakers. Yeah. I mean well. You had Mag- you had magic setting everything up, so that's that's okay. Yeah. But you know, a lot of these teams, they're great off ball. And I don't know who's outside of Anthony Davis. I'm not really sure who's great off the ball with the Lakers right now. Cause I think regardless of where they end up or who happens, I think we can both say Kuzi and KCP aren't gonna be there next year. I think KCP could still be there. I think Kuzma's gone. Um, I think KCP could stay, depending what the market is for like three and D guys. Cause what three and D guys are out there and available? Cause that's what the Lakers need. That's available. Yeah, you're right. That that's available. I I can't think of a notable three and D guy that's just gonna be on the market. Like <laughs> Reggie Bullock. <laughs> He's not better than KCP. Um, I I would rather have Reggie. If, if tell you what, if the Knicks got rid of Reggie, and he's a free agent. If we got rid of Reggie and we picked up uh, Contel Codwell, Codwell Pope, I, I I I don't need. I don't want no part of that. Mm-mm. No sorry, Bob. Give me Reggie. You know what? You're right. Ain't no 3D guys available. Reggie ain't on the table. <laughs> Leon, get on the horn. <laughs> You're right. There ain't none available. Man. 
But shoot, man, that's uh you got anything you want to plug? Nah. Anything you want to shout out? Anybody you want to shout out? Oh yeah, always, always. Shout outs to the sports chat first off, because yep. that's where these these connect connections get made. That's what happened. So you know, gotta, gotta give them a shout out for 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 all the connections and good ball that we talk. And um, you know, shout out to all my peoples from the dynasty, early city. Uh, shout outs to the Lakers, and we finna we finna get back on top. On top of what? Hey, look, we tied for the most championships, and if we talking about modern NBA, we blowing everybody out the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you're right. I I know that. I I know that. But uh, I just can't just pencil in the Lakers as a Western favorite right now. Not when we got all these questions. I I just can't do it. I mean, I'm sure they'll do something. I just don't know what or how. Now, I might be right about that. I could be wrong because I've been wrong about the Lakers before. But uh, either way, I just call it how I see it. Y'all, we out of here. Jonathan, I appreciate you, brother. We'll be in touch. Hell yeah. Appreciate you for having me. Indeed. <laughs>